So I would love to call you sometime. Do you have a card? Of course. Oh, great. Look forward to hearing from you, Gigi. Oh, wait. Are you hearing from me, or am I getting a call? We'll talk. We'll get in touch. Oh, oopsie. You did it again. Very vague. Uh, you know what? Let's just say that you'll call me, and then we can skip all the nonsense. Goodbye, Eugene. He was cute. Yeah, please don't cyberstalk him. Speaking of hottie bow bodies, how many hottie bow bodies are in this particular episode we're going to talk this about? This is so nuts. I mean, we might as well talk about this now. Is If like, you like white people, you'll love. He's just not that into you. What is the maximum weight of an actor in this film? Like 125, maybe? It's like, yeah. this is... This is so, it's the entire, this is true of the entire back half of the 2000s, is there's this entire um, look and standard of beauty that we've completely memory hold, like, for, mm-hmm. for good reasons. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But this was, it's weird, because this is, this is a very specific point in between Jennifer Lopez and Kim Kardashian, where you wanted to have a small ass. <laughs> No and ass at all. You want to have no ass at all. And there's a joke about it in the film. There's a joke where Justin's Long like where Justin Long is like, yeah, this, that woman's ass was too big. Right. And, and I was just like, mm. I'm like, what year is it? And they're like, oh, I, it's 2009. <laughs> I, I I'm so grateful for two trends that have ended. One is the no ass thing yeah. because then I can eat bagel bites as much as I want. <laughs> Secondly is the tiny eyebrow trend of the 90s. I'm so glad that I am able to just be myself eyebrow-wise. Big ass, big eyebrows, folks. Big ass, big eyebrows. That's what we're all about. And for a lot of people, painting yourself brown, I haven't gotten there. No, don't do that. (laughs) Folks, do not do that. Always by the Ron Weasley to my Harry Potter, oh, Tony Ginocchio. Like Ron, Ron is amazing. Ron, yeah, but he's dumb as hell. Okay, okay, let me try that again then. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. Because the thing is, Harry is also not very smart. I think that's that's another character trait that like. So yeah. I should, the other thing we should say, we were talking about Harry Potter right before we recorded. The other thing I should say is, I read all seven books out loud to the baby for the first six months that she was uh, a baby. Uh Um, So I, like, I I don't think I had reread all of them, certainly not in a row, since since they first came out. So I kind of, like, I kind of got reoriented with the things that (laughs) J.K. Rowling is good at. And she's very good at creating characters. I think she's obviously she's very good at world building. Um, and I got a handle on the things she was bad at, which is like giant gaping plot holes that Dumbledore right. has to explain in the second to last chapter of every book. <laughs> um, but like Ron and Harry are both terrible students. Right. 
And they're huge idiots, which yeah. is like, I, I also don't want to sound presumptuous and say that I am Harry Potter because he's like <laughs> the ultimate hero. But we both are kind of dumb about certain things. Yes. And so when, when our powers combine... We're, we're we, definitely greater than the sum of our parts. Yeah, say. yeah, yeah. We're better as a team. And that's why we made this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and my gosh, we got a banger for you. Uh, yes today. i'm so excited about this because you know how much i love a rom-com but today we are going to talk about he's just not that into you directed by ken quapis ken quapis director of dunstan checks in uh also <gasps> <laughs> um, which is a great movie i believe about a monkey that falls in love with a hotel and, uh, oh, I've never heard of that. But you know what, how I know Ken Quapis is because I listened to Office Ladies Pod. Um, oh, he directed yes. a ton of episodes of The Office. Yes, yes. He, he was a television director as well. Yeah. And um, But the thing is, we're not just watching the movie He's Just Not That Into You. We are dedicated fans. We are also reading the 2004 relationship advice book He's Just Not That Into You by Greg Barrent and Liz Tuchillo. Can I admit uh, something to you? Yeah. I read this in high school. <laughs> and I genuinely wanted to garner as much wisdom as I could from it. And I don't remember anything. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about the wisdom uh, in a little bit. Um, yes. I do want to also say that the book, He's Just Not That Into You, did not come out of thin air. It is based on a throwaway laugh line from an episode of Sex in the City, a television series created in 1998 by Darren Starr, which then in turn was based on a book from 1997 titled Sex in the City by Candace Bushnell, who based the book on her columns in the New York Observer from 1994. So there's a long lineage. This is kind of like how Twilight was fan fiction <laughs> was of fan no wait fic. No, no, no 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 it was Fifty, 50 Shades, Shades of Grey <laughs> was fan fiction for Twilight yes <laughs> so this is kind of the same it's almost exactly the same but before we get into that Nadia we are still holed up in our homes um, what what is getting you through uh, this very tumultuous time in terms of pop culture thank you for asking I recently watched onward the new pixar movie how is it i loved it i really loved it i uh what i don't like the frozen movies and those are just shoved down my throat Mm -hmm. constantly so i was a little wary of watching this one because i was just like i don't want it to be another thing where i have to sit for two and a half hours and just completely be bored but it was fantastic i really loved it it the world that they built there was really cool and i cried multiple times throughout not just at the beginning the only other pixar movie that has succeeded in making me cry uh probably non-stop throughout was coco (laughs) so i cried at the end of coco that one that one hits really hard (laughs) oh yeah that one it hit me right at the beginning when they did the disney song with the castle with mariachi music yes i when i saw that in theaters i was like Yeah, it was great. Oh, God, the end. Oh, man. It was great. But Onward is great. Definitely check out Onward. Um, I also tried to watch Space Force, but I gave up. I heard it sucks. Oh, it's not good. Yeah, and that's a shame because the team on it's so good. Listen, I think they thought this cast is undeniable. We don't have to write well. (laughs) It's fine. Like, I, 
I I wanted to like it, and I made it to the middle of the second episode, Ugh. and then I gave up. Well, speaking of Space Force, Space Force, I believe, is the final performance by a, a, a great, great comedic actor that we lost a few weeks ago, uh, Fred Willard. R.I.P. Fred. You were R. I. P. great in that. R.I.P. Fred. Uh, and so uh, his uh, de- he's been in, I think he has over 300 film credits. I think Best in Show is probably one he's best known for and is maybe the single funniest film I've seen in my life. But uh, to remember him, I have been re-watching a Comedy Central series from 2014 that he was in uh, called Review with Forrest McNeil. Um, truly one of the darkest series (laughs) that comedy central ever put on it's so fucking funny it stars andy daly as a uh life reviewer (laughs) so the, the premise of the show is that um you know he he uh he, he Andy Daly always plays the same character. He's always kind of chipper and kind of clueless, and people write in, and they're like, hey, Forrest, what's it like to, you know, to do this, to have this life experience? Uh, it's like, what's it like to, to shoplift something? What's it like to go to prom? What's it like to get addicted to drugs? <laughs> and then eventually, what's it like to get divorced and things like that? And it's hilarious because andy daly sells the hell out of it but the thing is it could have just been a sketch show where it was his character doing these kind of isolated goofy things but the consequences and damage of each life experience he has start to pile up episode to episode and uh truly is one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life Um, that's on comedy central comedy central yes uh it was on from 2014 to 2017 uh review uh with Forrest McNeil incredible series awesome thank you because I am tired of searching for good things to watch I I had a conversation with a friend of mine who uh she and her boyfriend they just keep re-watching the same stuff because every time they try to watch something new it's disappointing the most recent one being Space Force yeah and they were just like this is why we watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine over and over and over (laughs) And now they can't even watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine because they feel gross because it's Yeah, because well, it's about <laughs> They're like, we can't even watch that anymore. I hate them. <laughs> um, yeah, so- it's, it's crazy. But uh, I'm really excited to talk about this movie with you because there's so much going there's, on. This movie, again, the movie is two hours and ten minutes long. It's so fucking long. It, this movie came... A few years after Love Actually, when everyone thought it would just be okay if you just put 30 A-list actors <laughs> in a cast and made the movie super fucking long. Um, Listen, we know that when the British do it, they do it better. Yeah. The only time that that has not been the case was The Office. <laughs> and I guess Ken Quapis was like, I'm also going to prove that wrong. Maybe. But uh, also, like, other similar films in this vein, the the cursed Gary Marshall trilogy of Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, and Mother's Day. Um, <sighs> I think the first one came out in 2010, which was Valentine's Day, which is also streaming and we'll almost definitely watch it at some point oh, definitely. in the future. Um, this movie cost $40 million to make, and it made $94 million. Wow. So pretty successful. 35th highest grossing film of 2009, so good for them. Uh, it was nominated for two Teen Choice Awards. Mm. Uh, Best Actress for Jennifer Aniston, who doesn't really have that big a role, I feel. 
and uh, well, it's because she wasn't Rachel. <laughs> and it's because Rachel was played by Jennifer Goodwin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and best romance movie. Uh, I was also nominated for a People's Choice Award for favorite comedy movie, and it sucks. Com- this is a comedy. It's just I just. Like, I didn't realize. I, I didn't laugh once. I feel like I would have watched this, like, I've seen this before, which is nuts. Um, yeah, me too. I used to watch it all the time. Like, I feel it like. It was on. If it was this just was, on. If this was on, like, if this was on a plane, I would watch this. If this was on yeah. a plane today, I would watch this to pass the time. Yeah, exactly. It's It's good because it captures your attention enough, but it doesn't leave you any different than how you started it. No. And you know not... when you watch a certain movie and you're just like, that changed my life. Yeah, it's this not This is not this. that movie. No. <laughs> it's not. The, hey, it's oh. not this. There, the, there's so many people in this movie and the three main actors are all named Jennifer, Jennifer, and Jennifer. <laughs> Brad, or uh, what's his name? Ben Affleck is in it with his tiny teeth. Second consecutive film with Ben Affleck that we've watched. Oh, his, his teeth look extra white in this one. Um, so... I mean, I guess to the extent that the film can be said to have a plot, there's like a few interlocking storylines loosely based on this relationship advice book. But but the main storyline is Jennifer Goodwin, uh, who I know uh, from being the second hottest wife on Big Love and Mm -hmm. from voicing the bunny in that Disney movie about racism. Oh, right. Uh, she is having trouble landing a guy in the big city of Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> and, right. And uh, she meets Justin Long, who explains to her that men are trash. Um, and if a guy doesn't call you, it's because he's just not that into you. Um, and, then, and then they end up together. That's kind of it. Um, yeah, that's it. There is uh, another storyline where Jennifer Aniston and Ben Affleck, were they a couple when this was being made? They were never a couple. Okay, so I was way off. Um, <laughs> our, I had to think about that, though. Ben Affleck is like, they've been together for seven years and Ben Affleck hasn't proposed, so there's kind of a storyline there. Um, right. There is a storyline that approaches being interesting, uh, which is Jennifer Connelly. Um, is married to Bradley Cooper playing maybe the shittiest character he's ever played. Yeah, absolutely. And he's played some pretty shitty guys. And he's guys. played some shitty guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, her kind of um, feeling unsa- dissatisfied in that marriage and also Bradley Cooper cheating on her with Scarlett Johansson. Um, and then also Drew Barrymore's in it for some reason. Um, She's like this, the D-runner plot yeah and she she produced the film i think is why she's in it um like i said the movie is set in baltimore um every accent in the film baltimore has a very specific notable regional accent every accent in the film is either neutral or aggressively new york right (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even realize that i was not paying attention because i did not care because it is impossible to bring yourself to care about this movie (laughs) um but uh before we talk about the movie we should talk about uh the former current events yeah so i did two eras (laughs) one is 2004 when the book came out just to give that some context um the book came out around the time when women still cared about what men think uh which if you were to think about now and the attitude of women towards men 
and in the dating pool, we're in a completely different generation. So just keep that in mind. And we're, th- again, this film is 10 years old. This book is 15 years old. And both of them feel incredibly dated. Absolutely. Uh, I think it was probably marketed towards Gen Z and above and now, or Gen X, I mean. I think it was marketed to Gen X or above. Uh, but, you know, millennials do not give a shit. <laughs> and we probably think this is useless and makes us angry. So... 2004, you know, I was still in high school. Uh, The CIA at that time admitted that there was no imminent threat from weapons of mass destruction before the 2003 invasion of Iraq. So that's kind of where we were as Uh, a society. Feels good to laugh about that now. (laughs) At the time, it was absolutely maddening. And at this point, it's just sad. Uh, The Boston Red Sox won the World Series for the first time in 1918, and then we got the amazing film with Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore called Fever Pitch. I love that movie. Serious talk that I actually really did like that movie. It's a great movie. It's actually very cute. Yeah. This is the only movie I like Jimmy Fallon in. Uh, Facebook was launched that year uh, to Harvard, then later to all the other Ivy League schools. This is before it ruined the entire world. The entire world. Uh, Martha Stewart in that year was convicted of a felony and sentenced to five months in prison. How long ago does that feel? Uh, Janet Jackson's breast is briefly exposed by Justin Timberlake during the Super Bowl halftime show. Most, if not all, of the factoids about this doesn't mention that she has a pasty on and you don't see the nipple. Right, right. I remember that. <laughs> and I'm very upset about it. I feel like people are rewriting history and saying that her entire breast was exposed, but it wasn't. And fuck Justin Timberlake, just by the way. Uh, Ken Jennings won $2.5 million on Jeopardy. I had to throw that in yeah. because of your mom. Yo, you know, Tony's mom is on Jeopardy, everybody. My, my mom is a three-time Jeopardy champion. You can look it up. Fuck uh, yeah. My wife has made it to in-person auditions twice, but has not been selected for the show yet. I cannot seem to make it past the online test. Oh, buddy. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. At this point, um, oh, 2004 also includes the Ashley Simpson SNL debacle. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah, that was a really great moment where she was caught lip syncing in the Jude Law episode, which I don't think is very easy to find online, but it's out there. She Because I remember because like the track started and she clearly wasn't singing. And, right. And, and it like, was the wrong song that they played. Yes, that's right. It was like... And so she did like a hoedown dance. That's right. And she then, danced and then and, just walked off. And then they cut and then she blamed her band at the end. She's like, my band started playing the wrong song. But it didn't explain why the vocal track <laughs> There was, was a recording different. of her voice playing. <laughs> so that was there. Um, and the most important thing that is very uh, significant to what I'm going to say later is Beyonce won her first Grammy without Destiny's Child that year. And okay. thus began the era of women not giving a shit about men. Excellent. Uh, but... Let's talk about when the movie came out. It's five years later. There's been a change in leadership in this country. There's been a change in uh, the methods that we view uh, current events, especially pop culture. This is when the internet started to really take off. Um, Barack Obama is inaugurated as the 44th president of the United States. In 2009, we all thought that was very good. (laughs) We all thought that was very good. We uh, thought things my, were going to really turn around. We we really had some hope. <laughs> Dead on. Uh, Michael Jackson died that year. 
lots of feelings about that in june yes i remember mm-hmm. i was like moving out of my parents house and i was at bed bath and beyond and, I was, <laughs> and they they were like oh michael jackson died and i was like wow did they tell you from the beyond <laughs> no it was just it was just the cashier i was just like buying a trash can the cashier is like oh my god <laughs> um okay this is my favorite factoid from 2009 this was the year that the viral video of a wedding party dancing down the aisle to Chris Brown's Forever went super wild yeah. all over the internet and t- completely changed the trajectory of weddings. Eventually <laughs> immortalized in an episode of The Office. Which makes me cry every single time. Uh, but flash mobs at that time were all the rage after that. Um, Kanye also interrupted Taylor Swift's VMA acceptance speech that year, and then we never got rid of her from then on. Yeah, that I mean, was the, it was, it was, I can't believe it was that long ago. It, it's so nuts because now I think about both of them now <laughs> and it's like my, my, my opinions of each of them have completely reversed. <laughs> in the I past know. Isn't that so wild? It, we, this could be a whole other conversation. We should just do a Kanye episode. We could, we could do a Kanye West uh, episode. We're going to have to. We're going to have to. Um, this was also the same VMAs that changed my life personally because that was the year Lady Gaga performed Paparazzi and Bled on stage. And that nice. is my favorite performance of hers. Uh, Jersey Shore premiered that year, as did Avatar, and became the highest grossing movie of all time, which is why He's Just Not That Into You did not make the top. <laughs> the only reason. The only reason. Uh, and Tiger Woods was discovered to have extramarital affairs, and I yeah. definitely thought that was relevant to this story. Yeah, well, it is. Actually, two, 2009 was also the year that Nina Ginocchio had her three-episode run on, I'm sorry, four-episode run, three wins on Jeopardy. Um, Hell so kind yeah! Of a nice sort of uh, epilogue to the Ken Jennings saga. Hell yeah! Did we, was she on an episode with Ken Jennings? No, 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 I'm, I'm Oh just... my god, can you imagine if she had been beaten by Ken Jennings? I mean, it would have been an honor. Can you imagine? Absolutely. I love Ken Jennings. Oh, he's anyway. great. Have you read his uh, his book, uh, Planet Funny? No, but I listened to a podcast where he talks about it in depth, and I was just like, I don't even feel like I need to read it, because he basically read from it. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Cause the <laughs> but book it's is, great. The book is excellent. Um, history, I gotta check it out. History of comedy and how it's ruined everything, which is kind of what we do here. <laughs> exactly. Maybe we should have him on the show. Let's ask him. Yeah, I'll, I'll tweet at him. Um, okay. He's not doing anything else. No, but I thought that all of these things definitely show a post 9-11 America where we care a lot about, you know, our sports teams winning big, like, like, oh, the Boston Red Sox, they were cursed, but now they broke the curse. You know, there was this sentiment of, of really taking charge of what's happening. You every, know, Ken Jennings inspired everybody to get smart and all that shit. It was very hopeful. Everything that actually mattered, we thought was fixed. Um, we exactly. thought, oh, racism's over. We have the black right. president. Right. Um, it, you know, we're probably not going to be in endless wars in the Middle East anymore. Right. Uh, you know, we, you know, I think everything's just going to work out fine. So I can actually uh, give a shit about, um, you know, the Red Sox. Right, and we we can stay connected because we have this thing called Facebook Social now. Social media, it's going to be great. I can keep in touch with people. I'm going to show people how much I love them by planning a flash mob at their wedding. Yeah. All that stuff. But then, you know, maybe the moment Kanye interrupted Taylor Swift is when, karmically, we were fucked. 
I don't know. It could also just have been, you know, the genocide of the native people on this <laughs> yeah, continent. On this continent, yeah. And we were karmically fucked long before yeah. Kanye West. That's probably more. That's probably more what, what happened. <laughs> but anyway, I want to talk to you about the book. Yeah, let's talk about it. So it... <laughs> I got a kind of like Cliff Notes version because I do have a copy of it at my parents' house. Okay. But I didn't want to ask them to, <laughs> to send mail it to, to me. You. <laughs> yeah. So um, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I would love to hear this men are from Mars, women are from Venus kind of point of view of this. <laughs> so here is, um, I mean, there there are a couple things. You know, one is the book is extremely dated. Like, there's a lot of talk about speed dialing and... Um, <laughs> There's a there's a reference the the most dated reference to the book is a tie between um, I have it written down here I have some of his stuff in my apartment and I'm not going to give it back because I know he's going to change his mind but all he wants is his stupid Palm Pilot back uh, <laughs> and there's another one where she's like my boyfriend's pretty rich not Donald Trump rich but still pretty rich um, so those are the two most dated references um so it's very dated here's what i think i don't think any of the advice in the book is bad no but i think all of it uh would only be new information if you are an unbelievably stupid person yeah it's <sighs> i feel bad because i'm sure there are people who maybe are listening to this and read that and got a lot out of it <laughs> and so we're calling them stupid but it's pretty but you sense. are i mean like you are <laughs> one of the pieces of advice is don't date an abusive alcoholic and it's like well yeah mm -hmm. you shouldn't do that and it's like if he cheats on you yeah. don't get back with him yeah if he's married stuff. to another woman he's probably not in love with you sure yeah that's if he's fun. breaking if he's breaking up with you, he's just not that into you. <laughs> so the thing is, this book, you know, I said the book was based on a throwaway line from an episode of Sex and the City. It's written by two writers from Sex and the City. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. And okay. so, you know, it is a good book if you are the kind of person who watches Sex and the City and is like, there is very useful information here that I can take from this into my own relationships and life. Uh, right. But you probably shouldn't be like that. Um, Sex and the City, I've only seen like three episodes. It's witty and it's a good it's depiction fine. of female friendship. And I think that's good. But I'm surprised to, you haven't seen more of it. Yeah, so am I actually. But, uh, but to view it as a template for all, where all of your relationship advice should come from. Uh, yeah. is perhaps unwise. Again, I think that that show was geared more towards Gen X, mm -hmm. and millennials saw it and were just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess our our version of Sex in the City would be what? Uh, well, insecure. I, I mean, yeah, like the the stupid person answer would be girls. Ew. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm not saying it's girls. Um, okay. Insecure could be it. Um, like, I, like I said, I feel like because our generation just doesn't give a shit about what men think as far as the ladies, there aren't a lot of things about dating. See, I feel like for me, like we don't even have a sex and say like the sex and say that I think of. He's like, what's your sex and say? I say Nathan for you because it's like <laughs> it's not relationships. It's you're being crushed by this increasingly absurd for profit system. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we are so much more concentrated on the systems that are working against us <laughs> yeah. that we're just like we don't have time to date yeah well you know I'm, what i mean i mean i don't but that's because i'm married um right right and, of course but of course but you know i our generation also has the dating app thing well, that, and, i mean that's the other thing right is like that's yeah. changed completely and this book is just completely out of date because of that absolutely but also at the same time because there are so many options out there for a woman to do what Gigi, the main character, the Jennifer Goodwin character, does where she kind of obsesses over one man, one man, um, that doesn't really exist anymore. Because in your pocket, there are thousands and thousands of men that you have as an option. Doesn't mean any of them are going to be good, but they're there. And why not try and make it work? You know, we uh, our generation doesn't have that kind of perspective. So that's the kind of datedness of this movie that... I thought, like, oh, if only Gigi had an app, she'd be fine. Yeah. There would be no movie. <laughs> it's so weird because, like, everyone in the movie has a landline. Like, they they. Check oh, their... I loved the landline <laughs> with the voicemail. They check their voicemails. It's so weird. Now, what did you think of the book? I want to hear your thoughts on that. I remember needing the reality check of effort. And mm-hmm. that's that's something that's still prevalent today especially like with the dating apps and all of that stuff. I hear a lot of my friends talk about it too. It's the idea that if a guy likes you, he'll put effort into things. Mm -hmm. And when you have low self-esteem or low standards or you're insecure, like Gigi, our main character, um, you know, you don't see that. You just see somebody paying attention to you. So it's a little bit of a wake-up call with the book saying these things it's like oh well that makes sense that makes sense but in the moment when you're applying it to what's actually happening to you it it takes a little while to kind of apply it you know what i mean yeah i guess so yeah Um, but otherwise i thought like i i would i should know this already (laughs) i i would say um i was like 14 when i read this yeah so so the book is just laid out basically like look if a guy is being shitty to you and it's all each chapter is an example if he won't call you if he's married to someone else if he's breaking up with you if he wants to sleep with other people if he's abusive like if if it's any of these things uh then he's just not that into you and you should hold out for a guy who will actually put effort into being with you exactly Um, and there's one uh quote from the book uh towards the end and by the way, the book is written just in all Sex in the City speak. Um, it's mm-hmm. a, and the font is large. The font is large. It's a very fast read, but it's a little yeah. overwritten. There's like tongue-in-cheek workbook exercises where they give you a blank flag, and they're like, color this flag red. There. <laughs> if he's married, he's a red flag, like that one. Um, but there's a quote it's from the great. very end, and it's basically like, look, there's rules that we have laid out here. There are exceptions to these rules. You are not the exception. Um, the exact quote is, you know, the stories we tell are the exceptions to the rule. We want to think of yourself as the rule. Thinking of yourself as the exception is what got you into this mess in the first place. And I bring that up because in the movie, the exact opposite fucking thing happens. I know. I know. <laughs> the, that whole thing about being the exception to the rule makes zero sense half the time. Yeah. And, you know, they follow it pretty hardcore. But, uh... I want to talk about the movie. Yeah, let's talk about the movie. Um, it's star- I mean, incredible cast, uh, just in terms of, like, the star power. Jennifer Aniston, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Conley, who would have already won her Oscar at this point. 
uh, America's favorite Asian American actress, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Bradley. <laughs> Bradley Cooper. Drew Barrymore. Some guy who plays the guy that sleeps with Scarlett Johansson. Uh, oh, the guy from Entourage? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. He's E, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw Some guy. Like, yeah. Show some respect. Yeah, sorry. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Connolly? Yeah. Is it Jennifer Connolly's brother? Is he? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> they look nothing alike. Okay. I thought you were about <laughs> to blow my mind. Um, I'm glad that you trust me so much that you did pause. Well, who else do I have to trust in this world? No uh, one. Oh, your wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jennifer Goodwin, uh, Justin Long, uh, Busy Phillips uh, has like Ugh. two lines, but she's a very funny actress. So. She's great. <laughs> she made it. Um, so yeah, uh, incredibly stacked cast. Uh, now I noticed uh, here in our outline, Nadia, you seem to have made uh, a note about the cast here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made a representation rundown. <laughs> As you know, our listeners, wonderful listeners, are coming back and listening to us talk about these films. Know that I keep track of how many people of color exist in the worlds of the films that we watch or TV shows. Uh, This particular film does have a few people of color. However, they are all service industry workers, some with accents, some who just drop things. Other people who don't follow rules well. There is a, a black fellow who is supposed to be wearing black, but is instead wearing a uh, really tacky shirt. Like, that... Pastiche type shirt, yeah. Right, and and that's pretty much his character. Just kind of a dummy. Okay. And so I, I just wanted to... Oh, and there was also um, construction workers who were all Latino or black Uh, that were referenced by Bradley Cooper as, hold on, I have this quote. You can cut this pause out. Uh, Hold on, I'm sorry. I know exactly the quote you're talking about, too. It's Luis Guzman is one of them, right? It's Luis Guzman, who is the best. (laughs) I think he deserves so much better. Oh, he says... uh, so all of the Latin Latinx people and uh, African American people are construction workers and are referenced as eight thousand undocumented immigrants working here. Uh, so that is the representation that we are proudly serving in. He's just not that into you. Okay. So I'm gonna take exception to something uh, that you said, which is uh, you skipped over one very important part of representation, which is there's a, a montage at the very beginning of the film of all sorts of different cultures, try people of all sorts of different cultures trying to figure out why their boyfriend won't call them back. Right, and right, right. One I forgot. Sub-Saharan African village. <laughs> Where a woman is is again talking talking in like Nick Mullen Africa guy voice from Come Town, where uh, <laughs> she's just like, "I'm sure he just forgot your hut number or was eaten by a lion." What the fuck is that? Yeah, it was not good, and it was still subtitled. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of white people made this movie and didn't think anything of it. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to put that kind of at the forefront of where we are in discussing the film because it is very 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 caucasian (laughs) incredibly white and incredibly skinny 2009 tiny ass no ass no just no ass and the one person who did have an ass 
Also had some boobies that Bradley Cooper really liked to touch. Oh, and that boy. is Asian American actress Scarlett Noted Johansson. Noted Asian American Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> um, I, it, like, I, I know we make fun of her because she um, keeps getting cast as Asian people. And also because for some reason she's still defending Woody Allen. And perhaps most offensive of all, she's in a romantic relationship with Colin Jost. Barf! But, um, generally, I think in things she's in, she tends to be a good actress. Like, I liked her in Lost in Translation. I really liked her in Her, where you only hear her voice. But, um, it's really hard to like her in this film because she plays such a, such a trollop. <laughs> yeah, I want to get into that when we talk about it, because I don't believe it. <laughs> so, let, let me start for, here. here is a question I have for the film. Is this film actually misogynist, or is it just stupid? both okay <laughs> kind of where i was leaning to but, yeah uh glad we landed on there so um it's actually it's very stupid it is incredibly stupid <laughs> i i mm, i don't want to i don't want to disparage the people that get anything out of it because i'm sure that there's somebody out there who's like hey this sounds familiar i'm gonna dump my shitty boyfriend you know i'm more power to that person but as a movie <laughs> this is not good <laughs> i don't i don't feel like there's an arc to anyone's story um that is satisfying in any way it's more uh it's more like it's just on and i'm gonna watch it because i can turn my brain off kind of thing yeah, so should we, you know, the way I kind of organized it is kind of, should we, do you want to talk through the, the different main storylines? Yes, let's okay. do that. Okay, let's let's, do let's that. start with Jennifer Goodwin. Um, uh, yes. Because she is the main um, woman living the he's just not that into you life. Right, she starts out as a narrator, and then we forget about that, and then she comes back later at the end. Oh yeah, sorry, also real real quick, there's also weird like interstitial scenes in the film where character actors who you never see again um, talk directly to the camera. Like there, there's a scene 20 the minutes office. in. Yeah, like, there's a scene 20 minutes in where Natasha Leggero just appears and riffs on caller ID for three minutes to the camera. Right. And then, yeah. And then we just go back to the plot, and we're like, "Right, what? Why do we have that? I mean, why do we have that scene?" <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know, I think they're trying to do the love actually thing, where you find out that everyone's kind of interconnected, mm -hmm. but nobody is interconnected. Right. So there's no, there's really no point of showing all these different, like, okay, like Emma Thompson is the sister of Hugh Grant, who is the prime minister, and he's going to a play with these kids that are alan rickman's kids you right. know like Professor it all Snape's comes kids yeah it, yeah it all comes together yeah and this one that does not happen no there's no i mean there's like scenes where like jennifer goodwin and jennifer Connolly and jennifer aniston jennifer jennifer and jennifer all work uh -huh. all work in the same office right so we see that's it but that's it that's the only yeah. connection um, so there's like two scenes where they talk to each other about unrelated things. Um, right. And then one person will talk about something and the other one will take it personally and make it about them. Yeah. And, then, and then you're just like, what's happening? It, it's a very confusing film. But Jennifer Goodwin basically is having trouble finding a steady boyfriend. You know, right. guys aren't calling her back. And she is, she's basically playing Rachel Green. And right. that's a difficult role for her because she has to play it opposite the woman who actually was Rachel Green. <laughs> yeah. So 
one thing that I do want to go into is the premise, which is when we are young, women are taught that if a boy is mean to us and they push us or they pull our hair or they say mean shit, it means that they like us. So by society, we are taught to take and accept abuse from men because it means that they like us. So this is the overall message at the very beginning of the movie. I don't think they do a good job of actually like proving it <laughs> at all. No. But, but you know, but she, it's there. She's getting like run around. Um, but she, she thinks it's did. fine. She thinks it's fine. Like she she opens the film. She's on a first date with Kevin Connolly, um, and it's going uh, fine. And then he leaves, and he calls Scarlett Johansson for a booty call, right? right. Um, and he never calls her back. And then she tries to pick up a guy in a bar, um, and she's like, "Yeah, here's my number." He's gr- he's like, "Great, look forward to hearing from you." And she's like, "Wait, are you calling me or am I calling you?" And then he's like, "I'm done talking to you, crazy lady," and he walks out. Um, so yeah, she- they paint her out to be pretty desperate and clingy and yeah. needy and insecure. Yeah, and and she keeps striking out, and then kind of by chance, she runs into this bartender played by Justin Long. Do you mean because she was stalking? Because she was stalking. Uh, <laughs> she was stalking Eve from Entourage. And, right. and uh and justin long has to like give her the come to jesus talk where he's like look the reason this guy is calling you back is because he you know he doesn't want to see you again it doesn't mean he hates you but it means he's moved on and you need to accept that so that you can hold out for a guy and find a guy who uh, loves you for who you are and who's going to put in the effort so he he's basically the stand-in for the book right he is the voice of reason but he is also flawed. Because <laughs> he, he can't hold down any women. He's got a fear of commitment. Um, and he, right. uh, even though he enjoys hanging out with Jennifer Goodwin, and even though it's telegraphed from the very beginning of the film that they're going to end up together, um, he, you know, he just is the advisor to her while he keeps trying to fuck a wide variety of women that includes Busy Phillips. Exactly. And, but he takes a liking to her and he's like, I'll hook you up with a friend of mine. His name is Bill, which is the best fake name ever. (laughs) Um, Come meet my friend Bill at the bar. I'll introduce you. She goes to the bar and he shows up, not Bill. Bill does, Bill couldn't make it. Yeah. And so using the, the advice that Justin Long has given her, she's like, hmm, interesting. You're making the effort. You're coming to hang out with me. Hmm. She's like, and wait a second. There is no Bill, is there? <laughs> this is where I feel like, I mean, the movie kind of derails at the very beginning, but this <laughs> this is where it goes on like a whole different train track where now she's crazy and thinks that anybody who gives her any kind of kindness means that they're into her. Yeah, the, she's gone too far with it and the flow has now reversed. <laughs> Exactly. She's crossed the streams. So to we could say that that's more true of men, where if you're nice to a man, he's like, she wants he's like, to she fuck. She wants to fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the the thing is, is that he invites her to a party at his house. Like the, the the way that we're going so quickly through this plot tells you how thin it is. The the again, there's like five storylines, and they're all paper thin. 
paper thin. But they, and if this was like an episode of something, it would be like a sketch on YouTube, and no one would watch it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so he invites her to the party, and she's there. The gay friends that Drew Barrymore has at her job are also there. Drew Barrymore has a slowly increasing number of gay best friends at her office. <laughs> yeah, starts with one and then ends with like four or five. <laughs> they, they start spawning as the film goes on. So two of those people are at the party, and Jennifer Goodwin is all of a sudden thinking that she's the hostess of the party because he asked her to like refill a bowl that was a little weird i don't under like as i'm explaining it it feels like i'm not explaining it correctly but that's that's, what happens that's all there is to this scene he's like will you fill this bowl with chips and she's like i'm the co-host of the party we're getting married yeah so she's like walking around like a you know a hostess or like a monica geller if you will and filling in filling in the snacks and handing out drinks and people are like this is a great party she's like thanks he said that he wanted to throw a party and i was like sure At the same as if time, she lived there her being this dumb is also kind of a joey tribbiani thing she will be all <laughs> six of the friends before the film is out yes So at the at the end of the party, this poor girl is like a Ross Geller and is a simp. She is a simp for this guy. And she cleans up the entire apartment while he's playing video games with some hot chick. And she's like a cool girl type, you know? Yeah. She likes basketball video games. She she's video drinking games, beer. But she's still skinny and blonde and she has just the tiniest ass. She's... <laughs> And she is so hot. And she's like, okay, well, I'm done cleaning your whole apartment because I'm a simp and I'm Ross Geller. And he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to bed. And then she leaves. But she's pissed. She she calls him out. And she's like, you're not getting anywhere with women because you're not taking any chances. At least I am going out there and I'm dating a bunch of people, but you're just cynical and you stay at home and you have this like shitty worldview of life and I'm closer to finding love than you are. Mm. And it changes Justin Long's life. Yes. Blows his mind. Again, Um, this is just, this is almost the end of the plot. (laughs) Yeah. Blows his mind. Bill shows up because Bill was real. Bill Bill was real! Bill shows up. He's like, hey, Jennifer Goodwin, I'm sorry I missed you. Do you want to go on that date? And then Justin Long eventually, like, bursts in and gives the big speech. And, right. Uh, that even, she's the exception to the rule. Right. Even though, even though, again, the entire thesis of the book on which this movie is based is you are not the exception. And even though all of the advice Justin Long has been giving Jennifer Goodwin has been you are not the exception, the, the, the big moment before they kiss is when they look each other in the eye and say, you're my exception. Right. And that's it. That's it. That's that's the that's the A plot. Can you fucking believe that? <laughs> and there oh, there's this part in the credits where Ken Quapis is like, I am a director on The Office, so I'm going to have you two characters look at the camera and talk as if it's a documentary. And it's clearly both actors improvising in the same outfits from the scene that they're referencing in the interview. <laughs> And they just talk about, you know, how they got together. And that's it. That's the end of the plot. Uh, Can so you believe this? This is a movie. Let's move. That ha- costs $40 million. Costs $40 million and is 130 minutes long. Um, so 
let's move on to the B plot. Wait, when was she Phoebe, though? Because uh, I think we hit Joey, Rachel, Monica. Oh, we didn't hit Chandler either. Well, Ch- Chandler, I feel, is when she's in the bar going, are you going to call me or am I going to call you? Like, it's the, yes, you're it's right. the neurotic attention you're right. to detail. You're um, right, you're right. What about Phoebes? Who's Phoebes? Phoebe's tricky because I feel like the best Phoebe stand-in is actually the Wiccan guy at the wedding. <laughs> um, you're right. Uh, so you're right. We'll, we'll revisit that later. Um, what a magical moment. So speaking of which, let's talk about Jennifer Aniston's storyline. Uh, Jennifer Aniston. Uh, another th- woman with no ass. This <laughs> <laughs> that hair, though. Um, oh, so, what a good hair. So Jennifer Aniston's storyline is that she has been living with uh, Ben Affleck for years and years, and they're not married. Right. Because um, that's all women want. So, again, the only thing, the only thing mm-hmm. the women want is, mm-hmm. a, is a wedding. As um, we've learned from the Mel Gibson movie. Uh <laughs> what women want Um, we all know it's marriage so basically um there's a couple highlights here um from this storyline that that really made me laugh out loud um that were clearly not intended to make me laugh out loud (laughs) um but basically um they've been together for seven years she she's antsy about getting married she's like do you think that us not getting married is going against nature um okay and, and ben affleck saves it he's like no no going against nature is like that monkey that nursed that squirrel or whatever the whatever the line was um it was just great dialogue yeah. this is like the first three minutes of the movie by the way um but event like very little happens between that scene and them fighting and breaking up um so eventually they have a big fight in their apartment and then right. jennifer Aniston runs into a room and slams the door on Ben Affleck, who looks miserable, and we pan over Ben Affleck, and behind him is a work of, like, contemporary art painting that's just the word should six times. (laughs) Should, 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 should. I noticed that, too, and I thought, this is so heavy-handed. I I laughed so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, okay, so the reason why jennifer aniston got so pissed was because she overheard jennifer goodwin talking about the advice that she got from justin long about Uh, how oh they are interlocked how about that yeah so at work where they all work for some reason and i don't know what their job is. they don't explain they work in an office that's about it they work in an office and they have to write copy about nuts (laughs) i don't know so she hears this thing about how um, like a guy won't call you, he won't marry you if he's not that into you. And then she, uh, Jennifer Goodwin has to kind of eat crow because she's like, I didn't mean you. I didn't mean you specifically because I know that's exactly your situation. And Jennifer Aniston was like, she is right. I I see no future. I must divorce. I mean, I must break up with Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah, should, so should, 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 should. So Ben Affleck moves to his boat uh he has a boat that he just he just on. has a boat um and uh and when we get to um jennifer aniston she goes to her sister's wedding um there's a lot of um like sad moments where like the best man gives a toast and she's like hey uh jennifer aniston she's still available right although she's getting old or something like that i don't know there were like two instances where her family members tell her that she's hot and they wish that they could date her did you notice this oh yeah because one of them was like your cousin right yeah the cousin that was doing the speech was like 
if she wasn't my cousin and then she like danced with another cousin who was like if you weren't my cousin i'm like what is going on with the writers and their cousins <laughs> like are we talking just imagining that like <laughs> Pornhub had to like underwrite a portion of the film <laughs> they just took clips from that um, and, and put in porn in between uh but in, in any event there's also at some point it's either at the rehearsal dinner or the um or the party that jennifer goodwin's at there's a maroon five music cue uh, oh of course because it's because it's extremely 2009 um so anyways at the wedding there's a a very awkward scene where jennifer aniston is seated next to a guy who's like oh i'm a wiccan you know we worship the moon or something like that um yeah and it's played by the guy who plays sheldon's arch nemesis on the big bang theory yes um (laughs) and uh, jennifer aniston by the way i thought actually gave a pretty good performance in this yeah Um, yeah i wish she had better material but i agree i I wondered why she did the movie yeah i mean if the budget was 40 million dollars a lot of those was probably going to them but i i think they probably were like this is the american love actually right that is absolutely what they thought it was and oh boy um (laughs) during the wedding jennifer aniston's dad has a heart attack um she he you know is recovering she moves in with her parents she becomes the good daughter you know so to speak and is Mm -hmm. um taking care of her parents um the rest of her family is still in town for the wedding there's one point where she yells at her brother to turn his music the fuck down and this movie is rated pg-13 so that's the only fuck word they put in the script fuck word used it there um And then those were her in-laws. So basically what they were trying, I think what they were heavy handedly trying to show was the sisters were all married, but they were all married to complete idiots Ah, who put, who put in absolutely no effort to help around the house, even though, you know, there was a lot going on. There were, there were dishes in the sink and food needed to go get bought at the grocery store, but they wouldn't lift a finger. So she felt overwhelmed. Yeah. What the other sisters were doing. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, guess what? Guess who comes back to help? Ben Affleck. And so, his tiny teeth. And his tiny teeth. So again, the entire plot, Jen- Jennifer and Ben together, they have a fight, they break up, wedding, heart attack, Ben comes back, he proposes to her, realizing that um, he wants her to be happy. It's based on an anecdote from the book. Um, that's it. Right. That's the entire plot. They end up uh, Yeah, the only other, like thing that i think they wanted to be cute was ben affleck was wearing cargo pants on the boat and jennifer aniston was like you are not allowed to bring that inside the house and then he did and inside of the cargo pant pockets yeah Yeah. that's that's good that's good yeah Um, clever stuff that's it that's the end of that one can you believe can you believe i really wish that i could with the other recaps we do of other movies we have some nuance we have things to talk about but in these things it's like this happened then this yeah. happened well like the next storyline is definitely the one i have the most to say about um okay and it involves three people jennifer Connolly and her two giant eyebrows and uh, so see this was before giant eyebrows were in so she was taking a risk she was taking a risk um no but this is the thing is jennifer cooper jennifer Connolly, bradley cooper scarlett johansson storyline here's the thing jennifer Connolly is like this extremely tightly wound um wife of bradley cooper she's renovating a house she's under a lot of stress for no real reason i think um at least at the beginning of the film 
She um, works. She, I think she has the same job as the yeah, other. She's gen- a copywriter Jennifer and for Jennifer. nuts. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, and Bradley Cooper, I believe, works in A and R or something for a record label. Um, but he runs into Scarlett Johansson um, on the street. Because, basically, no, no, oh no, no, at the grocery store. At the grocery. So, store. so what happens is she scarlett johansson is the i don't know 100th shopper of the day and wins a cooler and the most hilarious moment of the whole movie that i actually laughed at was she handed the cooler the cashier handed the cooler over to scarlett johansson and scarlett johansson looked at the cooler for at least five seconds in awe and was like oh my god this is the best day of my life I've ne- I've never won anything like this while staring at the cooler in disbelief. And I was just like, I understand why you married Colin Jost. <laughs> um, and, and Bradley Cooper um, so runs into her at that and he says to her like, hey, I really want to fuck you. I really just... <laughs> all I'm going to think... He doesn't say that. He says he wants to help her with her career. All I'm going to think about for the next several months is how much I want to fuck you. <laughs> And look, Scarlett Johansson is Does he a, say that? Is a pretty woman. No, he doesn't say that. First of all, you only get one fuck word in a PG thirteen film. But I um, know, but he doesn't tell her that. He says he's gonna help her with yeah, the Brad, her career. Bradley, well, here's the thing is Bradley Cooper's like, look, you're a sing- she's an aspiring singer. You're a singer, I can hook you up with some people at the label. Um and she's like, Great, can I give you my number? And he's like, Oh, you shouldn't do that because I'm married and it's just tough for me to be around you because you're so hot. Right, 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 right. I can't believe how hot you are. It's just really tough for me to deal with just how hot you are. And nobody talks like that. Nobody talks like that. But the the thing that made me laugh was Jennifer Connelly called him while he was outside talking to her. And then he hangs up the phone and she goes, what was I saying? And he said, you don't want to wake up one morning like your mother and realize you never pursued your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, oh, yeah, that um just this this movie is insane so we learned we learned that bradley cooper and jennifer connelly are married because they were college sweethearts and bradley says we've been together since college she gave me an ultimatum um and uh, like he's trying to make scarlett johansson feel pity for him but i'm not i'm not going to pity anyone that scarlett johansson is trying to fuck i'm sorry um and and she's also he's friends with ben affleck somehow (laughs) And, and, and this is where i'm trying to make connections and it just doesn't work yeah. he goes to her uh yoga class at one which point. i fast forwarded through there's a very there's actually a funny scene where at the end of the yoga class where she says namaste and he who has clearly never been to a yoga class before claps right um like when a plane lands yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then um they're hanging out at the pool and he's like why can't we be friends am i not allowed to be friends with people who are hot so first, Ugh, first of all, he's so gross. First of all, he's being disgusting. Second, if you're over thirty, <laughs> if you're over thirty, you're not allowed to make new friends. It's not my rule. Third, <laughs> third, don't tell the people you're with that they're hot repeatedly all the time. Like, it's is just, that how? Is that? Do you do you have friends that are like that? That no. are like, hey, like here's, here's the thing. You're look, hot. Look, I've had hot friends. Like. <laughs> I lived in L.A. You run into one or two of them. Sure. It, it happens. No, right. I've, I've had hot friends and while being in a relationship, and that's okay. 
because what I didn't do was I didn't spend all my time with my hot friends saying, you know, it's really hard for me to be with you because I have to keep covering up this giant boner that's in my pants. (laughs) And then they didn't say to me, you got an ass that makes me want to dry hump. Oh my God. And then strip themselves nude and jump in the pool. It's too much. It's so much. And then, like, and then, like, the next time we see them is the halfway point in the film, and we just smash cut, and they've decided to fuck each other. Like. Right. Yeah. And it's, like, a long scene, and it's very detailed, and, like, Bradley Cooper keeps touching Asian-American actress Scarlett Johansson's boobs, and it's just, it's gross it's just gross nothing about this is okay also the justification for scarlett johansson going after bradley cooper is drew barrymore herself who told her a story an anecdote from the book that a guy who was married met someone else and decided that person was his soulmate not his wife and so he divorced her for this new person terrible advice Terrible advice. And she's like, okay, well, this is just going to justify why I'm doing this. This is the only thing Drew Barrymore does in the plot, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing, she she does like two minutes of going, what's the deal with technology? She goes, he MySpaced me. Yeah, he MySpaced <laughs> me. Incredible. She's a Blackberry, too. God, it's so dated. Oh, it's great. It's great. Anyways. But, okay, so the scene where they're fu- they're about to fuck. Yes. Uh, his wife shows up. Jennifer Connelly and her eyebrows show up. And... <laughs> The whole thing. Oh, of you mean why, in the office before? In we, the office before we do that, I he tells her that he slept with someone. Oh yeah, I forgot. And, okay, okay. And I right. want to talk about that scene. Okay. Um. So basically, here's the deal: Jennifer Connelly knows something is up with Bradley Cooper, right? She's been right. acting weird. She thinks he's, uh, taken up smoking again. Right. Because she, she finds his cigarettes in the backyard. Right. And he blames it on the the uh, contractors, the the eight thousand undocumented undocumented immigrants that are working on their home. Right. Um, So they're in a Home Depot picking out floor, and and I know it's a Home Depot because they say it's a Home Depot in the film, which means Home Depot almost definitely paid to be in this film, and they ended up in a scene where Bradley Cooper just spontaneously says to Jennifer Connelly, "I slept with someone." Because he just couldn't handle the guilt. Couldn't handle the guilt. Um, Home Depot. It's where you can tell your wife you've been cheating on her, and there's a popcorn (laughs) machine in the front. Uh, So her reaction is a little surprising because he's ready for her to just be like, we're going to break up. Yeah, get out of the house. Right. And she's like, oh, you don't want to fix this? And he really wanted that out. And that's where I was just like, yes. fuck you, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, he want, that's exactly right. He wanted out of the marriage. Now, Jennifer Connelly is blaming herself. Ugh, it's so sad. She's like crying while she's talking to Jennifer Goodwin. She's like, I used to be fun. We don't have sex anymore. She blames herself for forcing them to get married early and by extension triggering the affair, which is an extremely toxic attitude to have. Um, and then we get to the Bradley Cooper office scene. Okay. Why do I need to watch Bradley Cooper grab boobs? Scarlett Johansson shows up in the office. Bradley Cooper's like, "You're here. Let's fucking let's fucking my office." And Scarlett Johansson's like, "You're getting me a record deal. Do me in my ass." And <laughs> she didn't say that though because they already said the fuck word. <laughs> they already said the fuck word. Um, 
so they he she's like half naked his pants are around his ankles and then his phone rings and his secretary's like hey uh your wife is here ah um and you know and he's like oh shit i'm fucking scarlett johansson who doesn't have any oscars and my wife jennifer Connolly, who won an <laughs> oscar for a beautiful mind is right outside the door what am i gonna do and he stuffs asian american actress scarlett johansson into a closet uh, famously flexible people asian americans and so he jams, uh, he's like just just hide in the closet just hide in the closet and jennifer Connolly comes in and, uh, Je- and jennifer Connolly's like we should fuck right now we're gonna fix our marriage by fucking right now in your office she's wearing lingerie under her outfit she's spontaneous she's she's trying to be fun again Mm-hmm. And this is the only scene from the movie that I remembered from the first time that I saw it because of how, like... Disturbing? How awful it is. Just disturbing. Yeah. Because, um, like, Brad, cause Bradley Cooper, at first, is like, I need to get her out of here so I can go back to doing Scarlett Johansson. Right. And and he's like, oh, I got a lot of paperwork to do. And, like, it's just brutal <sighs> to watch Jennifer Connelly get her heart broken. I know. You know, most of the this particular uh, storyline is Bradley Cooper gaslighting her, yes. which is really hard to watch. Watching someone get gaslit is really fucking awful. And she falls for it, and that's why she was like, this is my fault, whatever. I'm going to fix it by being fun and coming into this this office and being spontaneous and so she's being super genuine and earnest and she's like, don't you want to save our marriage? And he's like, Okay, let's fuck. Yeah, he's like, okay, fine, I'll fuck Jennifer. Because you won an Oscar. Uh, so. <laughs> so they fuck, and so, Scarlett Johansson's in the closet. Scarlett Johansson's in the closet just watching everything, I guess. Or, I guess, hearing it. Yeah. Um, and uh, eventually she leaves, and she's like, wow, that was fun. And he's like, yeah, it was pretty good. And um, she oh leaves, God. and then Scarlett Johansson comes out of the closet, and it's basically like, you're disgusting, which is correct. Yes. Uh, and uh and leaves him so um bradley cooper is going to end up with nobody because jennifer Connolly finally breaks after she comes back home and finds his cigarettes um and realizes it's like a full sleeve that he was lying about smoking and the reason why she was upset is her father died from lung cancer so it wasn't like oh i just think it's gross that you smoke Cause, it's cause... like a really deep emotional reason yeah, like this is the only character that got emotional dimensions yes Je- jennifer Connolly is the only character that it is possible to care about in this film absolutely and bradley cooper was just so awful and gaslit her saying things like oh i had to work late or uh you're crazy like it's not me that's smoking it's the people that work in our apartment all of these things that you know, and then he eventually had to admit, you know, I'm sleeping with you at Home Depot. And then still was sleeping with Scarlett Johansson anyway after that. Yeah. Yeah. This, it's disgusting. It and, is. you know, the worst part of all of it were his highlights. <laughs> Who is the uh, worst character? Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper in this movie or Bradley Cooper in Wedding Crashers? This movie. 
I think it is this movie. I, yeah, because in Wedding Crashers, he ate the the Visine and threw up, and then you got some like comeuppance there. Yeah, you, you know? got some payoff. You're right. Yeah. In this one, he has no payoff. No. Like, there's nothing bad that happens to him. He's just, like, alone at the grocery store again. It's like, okay, but I want him to get hit by a car. <laughs> um, can he fall off the boat and drown? Like, I, I, I'll throw out some ideas, and we can redo this movie. The film ends with, like, an extremely sort of Carrie Bradshaw-type narration um, from Jennifer Goodwin uh, that I completely don't remember the content of at all because it's no. so slight. It doesn't matter. So stupid. Um, Drew Barrymore. Oh, yeah, Drew Barrymore finds, ends up with Kevin yeah, Connolly. Yeah, ends up with Kevin Connolly. Whatever. Yeah, who cares? Kevin the, Connolly, I think Kevin Connolly director of the um, Gotti film with John Travolta as John Gotti. Um, Are you serious? Truly jaw-dropping film in terms of how poorly made it is. Oh, my God, I had no idea he did that. Yeah. Wow. I think Kevin Connolly's storyline... Oh, yeah, it was... Um, he's a real estate agent, and Who's he, going to kind of pretend he's gay to... Right, because Drew Barrymore put his ad in the gay section of the newspaper. Yeah, Drew Barrymore really writes worked. for, like, an alt-weekly in Baltimore. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, as convoluted as we are... That's what it was like experiencing the movie. Yeah. Now imagine we did all this, and then in the middle of the podcast, Natasha Leggero came in to like riff on an unrelated <laughs> topic. It it was not my of all of the movies we've seen. I don't know if this one is the worst one, but it's, it's pretty bad. It's the mo. It's bad. It's like the most forgettable. Yeah, for sure. Um. It's not as scare. It's not as like horrifying and traumatizing as like the other sister <laughs> but <laughs> but it's pretty it's pretty intense in in making me feel visceral hatred towards bradley cooper i continue to hate bradley cooper in a star is born i think he <laughs> he fucking ruined that movie Interesting. Uh, okay. Because he made it about the male character and not the Lady Gaga character, where all the other films were about. Which is, which is you know, the film's only been made three previous times. Exactly. Uh, and he's yeah. like, you know what? I think I would like a new perspective. Mine. <laughs> but what about the men? Uh, so I would like to hear the reviews of this because, you yes. know, this was a fun time. So I found the most negative review I could find and the most positive review I could find. Um, Good for you being, you know, so fair. Where would you like to start, Nadia? Um, let's go to positive. Okay. So this is for Premiere Magazine. This review was written by Olivia Putnell and uh, Krista Soriano. High points. It's hilarious. And honestly, <laughs> <laughs> honestly okay. portrays how obsessive women can get when it comes to relationships. Will he call? When will he call? Does he like me? Jennifer Goodwin gives a standout performance. And that's saying a lot, considering the large cast, as the insecure, neurotic female looking for love. Low points. The somewhat stereotypical female performances and characters let us down, which is unfortunate since the film's title already pokes fun at the often pathetic inner workings of the female mind. Of all the characters, Drew Barrymore's was the most pointless and really didn't add much to the plot. Scarlett Johansson wasn't that great either. <laughs> Final thoughts. This comedy is perfect for females who need a laugh. And perhaps some perspective on relationships. Just saying. Okay. But Pete Travers of Rolling Stone, longtime critic for the magazine, really fucking laid into this one. 
<laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Are women desperate or just desperately stupid? This is the misogynist question at the core of he's just not that into you. A women bashing tract disguised as a tr chick flick. I mean, really. Will women actually line up this weekend to see themselves treated as pawns in a man's stupid game? I hope not. This toxic wisp of a movie is based on a toxic wisp of a book by Greg Barrent and Liz Ticillo that was itself based on a toxic wisp of a throwaway line they wrote for TV's Sex and the City. Be careful, the movie attempts to look harmless. <laughs> and then uh, later in the review, Janine's friend Beth, Jennifer Aniston, has her own obsession, getting married. Geez, seven years have gone by and her live-in love, Ben Affleck, is still allergic to walking down the aisle. Wouldn't real women dump these jerks in a heartbeat? What year is this? The best clue is the best clue that it's right now comes from Drew Barrymore, a victim of the MySpace Facebook age, who bemoans being rejected by men using five different technologies. The single time I laughed during this movie came when Mary defined dating as computer chatting, while boy and girl in separate pumpkin shells both sipped lattes. Believe me, it's worse than it sounds. Director Ken Quapis, who has inflicted License to Wed and Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants on unsuspecting moviegoers, drags out the <laughs> script by Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein for a punishing two hours and ten minutes. Here's a true S&M date movie only sadistic men and masochistic women could love it. Wow. Okay, first of all, I disagree. The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants is amazing. I knew you were going to say that. I love that movie. It is a great film. God damn it. <laughs> I, I knew as I was reading, I'm like, she's going to defend Sisterhood of the Traveling <laughs> Why do you know me so well? Oh, God. All right. Well, I got some Common Sense Media reviews. These are straight from the people. Um, I have... None uh, of this Pete Travers Ivory Tower bullshit. Yeah, you know what? I don't give a shit. You guys are paid for it. These people voluntarily reviewed it. And they made... Well, you know, they had to make an account. Anyway, I have three adult reviews and one child review okay the first one is from philly 30 pretty good see it just for bradley cooper all of us have been poor gg at one point or another great film to see with your girlfriends or best gay male friend probably not for under a mature 12 year old maybe 14 year old we'll have to drag your bf slash husband definitely a chick flick overall very good thought it might be better Favorite line was from Scarlett Johansson, who said about Bradley Cooper, your ass makes me want to dry hump. This is about as language as it gets. And she was right. Happy face. Dry, like, dry hump is a transitive verb, too. It's like, it, you're, like she left a word off the end of the sentence. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. This dialogue was not good. This movie was not good. It's not good. Um, I learned nothing. Okay. User NY says, incorrect rating again. This is, okay, this review is my favorite because they go after Common Sense Media. Yeah, finally. And finally, someone's taking them Finally, task. somebody's taking a stand. Okay, this movie was boring, predictable, lacking in humor. Even the actors looked bored. And once again, Hollywood is pushing an R-rated movie as PG-13. There is one scene where a married man is ripping off the clothes of his mistress, grabbing her breasts that are falling out of her slip, and about to have sex with her on his desk when his wife knocks on his office door. Outrageous! And why doesn't Common Sense Media mention any of this in their review? I'm going to stop going to Common Sense Media if they don't start writing accurate reviews that should have been user named karen <laughs> this one is a really good one i love it 
This reminds me of a lot of women I know. So, user TMVIN. This movie has no morals. I thought this movie might be cute, but we ended up leaving halfway through. This movie has no morals whatsoever. It is full of gay couples talking about having sex, men talking about how bad it is to quote-unquote get married. <laughs> married men talk about I, I, how they... I don't know if you need that in quotes. The she, that's what she did. Married men talking about how they shouldn't have gotten married and having affairs on his wife. On his wife. I realize the world is full of these. this thing. No. I realize the world is full of this kind of thing, but this movie should have been rated R! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. The scene we decided to leave was the married man having an affair on his wife in the office. I thought for a minute that I was in a porn movie. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does sear its way into your brain. Yeah, okay, this is the kid review. User Anyaya, age 13, which is a lie, as you'll see from this review. Okay, but real quick, before we get into that, the first review you read said, like, 12 and under, not good, 14 and up, fine, but she deliberately left 13 ambiguous, so I'm eager to hear. <laughs> well, okay, user Anyaya was lying, so check this out. Saw it three times and loved it, but my mom didn't. <laughs> It's a hella good movie, exclamation point, exclamation point. I saw it three times, and L-U-V it. Saw it with two friends and my mom. Me and my friends, all 12, liar, really liked it, but my mom didn't. She said the relationships were unappealing and that it had a negative view on marriage, but I really liked it. It did have a lot of sex scenes, though. We had to close the door a lot so my parents could not walk in. <laughs> I thought it was sweet. <laughs> I mean, there is a certain age, and maybe it's not 12, I think by the time you're 12, maybe you know better, but there is a certain age you get up to where you think sex is just when you touch a boob. Like, <laughs> like if an 11-year-old watched this film, they're like, well, he finished having sex with her, he touched her boob. Right. And it was over her bra. Over her bra, which counts. Right. Which counts. Right. Which counts. <laughs> Um, okay, so I took the liberty of updating He's Just Not That Into You dating tips. Outstanding. These are the Nadia Vasquez dating tips. They're earnest. They're real. Uh, this comes from someone who doesn't give a shit. <laughs> so take what you want, leave what you don't need, and we'll go from there. Yeah, and Nadia, of the two of us, is the only one qualified <laughs> to give dating tips so i have uh, no dating tips thank you thank you i appreciate it okay number one don't fucking worry about it <laughs> concentrate on yourself 100 percent mentally spiritually physically here are questions to ask yourself to see if you're taking care of yourself mentally spiritually and physically are you eating fruits and vegetables are you eating too many processed foods be honest with yourself because that's an act of love are you exercising? Are you getting adequate sleep? Are you getting at least two hours out in nature every week? Ask yourself every day, how can I better myself? How can I treat myself with love today? And what do I need today that will make me feel good? These are all questions to ask yourself that are more important than who is talking to you and who your boyfriend is, okay? Also meditate, okay. Second thing. Consider if you're going for your goals actively or if you are being passive. Are you spending more time thinking about boys than your career, than how you're taking care of yourself financially, than your hobbies? Forget that. Number three, 
Keep doing your hobbies and find new ones. You may find someone who also enjoys these hobbies or you might not. It doesn't fucking matter because what you have, wait, it doesn't fucking matter because you have more important things to worry about than obsessing about finding a mate. Most importantly, number four, do not settle for mediocre. Ladies, it's not at all about making yourself a certain way. It's not about how he feels. It's about how you feel. If you are dating or even if you're married, take inventory of your man. Does he add value to your life? If yes, then he's on thin ice. We all, he always has to be on thin ice. Does he add value to your life? No? Then dump him. Are you getting breadcrumbed? That means does he, you know, text you when he's not busy, when it's late at night, or when he wants to hook up? Realize you deserve, deserve better and move on. Uh, have you been ghosted? Bye. Does he say mean-spirited things to you? Thank you, next. Is he racist? I will kill him. You, <laughs> you deserve the best, and if you are operating at your highest self, you will only attract what will serve you and will add value to your life. Those are my dating tips. I will not write them down. You can write them down. Those are, those are all very good. I mean, my main advice, you know, sleep more. I've found that works for me. Listen, uh, when you're tired, you're cranky, and yeah. you're not you're not being nice. <laughs> not you specifically, but just people. No, but also me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like those are not focused on men. Those are focused on the self. Yes. And that is something that we are not taught. That, I think that's an important thing. So I think that's really good advice, Nadia. Thank you. Uh... And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's safe to say, uh, to use an extremely hacky joke, we were just not that into this film. <laughs> did you write that down to say? Uh, no, no. That's okay. uh, top of the dome. I did think it up like five top, minutes ago. Top of the dome. Top of the dome. What What are your final thoughts on this on the film? I, I mean, I, I think I kind of already expressed it. It's like it, it, um, really an hour after I was done watching this film, I basically forgot that it had ever happened. Like, that's, <laughs> and with a film that has a cast that is this um, uh, expensive, for lack of a better term. Oh, like, yeah. It uh, probably should have done a little more than that. And yet, I think that I have not seen any of the cursed Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day trilogy, but I feel like this film is probably better than all three of those. <laughs> oh, well, we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. That's and for good. you? Um, not even Ben Affleck could save this. Ah, uh, that's a shame. His tiny yeah. teeth can only do so much. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel a little bad because, you know, what a cast, but... Also, they have more money than me, and they didn't really lose anything by <laughs> being in this, so it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I'm just glad, like, PAs and craft services people got a payday, I guess. Yeah, just, I guess. Just I'm look, sure... looking for the bare minimum good thing to take away. Yeah, I'm sure everyone on the crew was also white. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, well, with that, folks, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, check us out on Probably Shoulda on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We'll see you at the next episode. Bye! Sunday morning rain is falling.